Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of The Tap. I am your host, author Andrew Hess, and today we have the SummerSlam recap. Now, over the last few years, SummerSlam has not really been one of the better shows that we've seen from WWE. In fact, the last few years of SummerSlam have really had a lot to be left desired um, in comparison to what we were used to. I mean, I grew up from SummerSlam's beginnings, and I wound up seeing classic matches such as Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship, Bret Hart versus Br the British Bulldog for the Intercontinental Championship, um, Shawn Michaels versus the Razor Ramon in a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, I, I mean, The Undertaker versus Mankind in a Boiler Room Brawl, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the, w uh, versus the Undertaker for the WWF Championship. So many classics. And the last few years, WWE had failed to deliver anything close to memorable. This year was different. This year, I feel like we actually had a much better show than we've been accustomed to seeing lately. And it really kind of just went straight out the gate. You had, as your opening match, Bianca Belair defending the Raw Women's Championship against Becky Lynch. Now, normally, this was not something I wanted to see again. We've seen it countless times. We saw Bianca Belair lose the title last SummerSlam in 26 seconds to Becky Lynch. We saw Bianca Belair chasing the title for months upon months when Becky Lynch turned over to the Raw side. In an attempt, and she was constantly in triple threat matches and you know trying to get the title back. Finally gets the title back at WrestleMania, and now it has been the same thing. Becky Lynch chasing the title. So I immediately went into thinking this SummerSlam, Bianca Belair was keeping the title. There was no doubt in my mind that Becky Lynch was going to win it. There was no doubt. I, I did not think that at all. Sorry, I, I should say there was plenty of doubt that Becky Lynch would win the, win the title. It was no doubt that Bianca Belair would keep the title. Apologies on my mix-up of words. Um, but what happened during this match really was what kind of became eye-opening to me. Because you really saw that this is the best match that they've had out of all their matches, that the, the triple threat matches, the one-on-one -on -one matches, the tag team matches, the, every match that they've had, this has been the best one, without a doubt. Yes, there were a few minor botches thrown in this match, but it didn't take away anything from it. And it was more in the beginning um, with the targeting of the left arm. Um. This went back and forth, even hitting the KOD on the outside of the ring. Becky Lynch keeps on trying to mount a return. She even she hits the manhandle slam and thought she had this match won. She didn't. Bianca Belair kicked out. She tries the manhandle slam from the middle rope, which gets reversed into the Spanish fly. And then Bianca Belair hits the KOD for the win. Now, on top of this incredible match that these two women performed, now you have surprises coming out at the end. 
as Bianca Belair is celebrating, you have, first off, Becky Lynch comes over and shakes Bianca's hand and then gives her a hug, whispers something in her ear. Then Becky Lynch slips out of the ring and heads over by the timekeeper's area. We don't know why. But then music hits, and here comes Bailey. Bailey makes her return, which we all pretty much knew was going to happen. We knew she was coming back around SummerSlam. It's been talked about for, for about a month or so now. But then Bailey stops right before getting to the ring area. And she turns and looks to the entranceway. And here comes Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai, who was, who was released from the company earlier this year because of budget cuts. Which we don't know if that had anything to do with Vince McMahon's hush money. I don't know. But Dakota Kai is back. This is great news. And then she joins Bailey, and then they look back, and there's one more. And here comes Io Shirai, although they're calling her Io Sky. Don't know why they're calling her Io Sky. Um, but here comes Io Shirai out. And the three of them start walking towards the ring. And they get right in Bianca Belair's face. It looks like it's going to be a three-on-one attack. And then in comes Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch stands side by side with Bianca Belair, staring down Bailey and her group. Bailey convinces them to walk away and leave well enough alone. Now, this is great on several fronts because, A, it looks like we're getting a Becky Lynch face turn, which is good because they don't really have enough, like, real baby faces for Raw anymore. Um, likewise, for SmackDown, they don't really have that many baby faces. Bailey's back, which brings a brand new heel character. Not a brand new, but a returning heel character, which I'm not really a fan of Bailey. I think she can put on amazing matches, but I'm not a fan of hers. Um, but now you have two people who are not on the roster at all. You have Io Shirai, who's called up from the NXT roster, which means now that Triple H is in charge of creative and, and basically kind of running things for the most part, you're going to have people like Io Shirai who really deserved it. I mean, she did phenomenally in NXT. Now she's going to be out there wrestling on the main roster, putting on classic matches, which will be great. I think, I think it's exactly what they need. A nice little change-up. Then on top of it, you brought in Dakota Kai, who Vince McMahon did not see anything with. But Triple H does. And not only was she gone from the WWE, she's now back. And she's going to have something to prove. And she has a crazier look than she did when she left. So that should be an interesting one, too. So already with SummerSlam being the first real show, in my opinion, that was being taken over by Triple H as from a creative standpoint, he's already off to a great start. Then we get to Miz versus Logan Paul. Miz comes out with Maurice and with Champa. 
Um, all of them are kind of in like matching, like weirdly neon green outfits. Um, it was just kind of interesting to see Champa in a neon green outfit. It was like brightly neon green too. Um, Logan Paul comes out and he has like a rough start right from the beginning. I mean, he tries to jump up onto the middle rope just to go ahead and get the crowd behind him. And the second time he goes to do that, his foot completely slipped through. Um, and then even in the opening moment, like the opening minute or so of the match, he just kept on like telegraphing, like widely telegraphing, like what he was going to do. Like Miz was supposed to do a snapmare and Logan Paul had his arms like wide out, like, okay, go ahead and snapmare me. Um, so it wasn't in the beginning, it wasn't a great showing for Logan Paul. However, this is probably him and Bad Bunny are probably the two celebrities that I I'm actually okay with seeing in the ring because Logan Paul really shows that he trained hard for this. And this isn't like, okay, I'm I'm going to be here like once every few years or something like that. Like you could tell he's go he wants to be with WWE for a while. And he trained really hard for this because he was putting on an impressive match for, for someone who's a celebrity who has pretty much zero wrestling experience before this. Um, Logan Paul and, and Miz just really kind of went toe to toe. I mean, Miz puts Miz is probably one of the most underrated wrestlers in the WWE today. And I was very pleasantly surprised by this match be perfectly honest with you um yeah champa get involved a couple times and the referee tries to eject him and aj styles music hits and aj styles brawls with champa takes him away from the ringside area logan paul continues to put on a, an amazing match hits the phenomenal four on one miz to try to get the pin but kicks out a two he then takes the miz outside puts the Miz on the announce table and hits a frog splash from the top rope to the outside through the announce table. Maurice gets involved when they get back into the ring and it basically Miz almost tries to hit Logan Paul with, it was like this weird like lanyard that's on like a metal chain type of thing and he goes to hit him. He ducks, Maurice almost gets hit Miz stops himself right before she does, and then he gets hit with his own finisher, the skull-crushing finale, for Logan Paul to get the win. An impressive match. Better, I, I had it exceeded my expectations. And then we have Lashley defending the United States Championship against Theory. Um, Theory attacks Lashley right before the bell with the briefcase to try to like weaken him. Lashley decides he's going to continue on anyway, and then ends up dominating most of the match. Um, Theory does get a little bit of a comeback. He tries to do this dive through the middle ropes into the ring to hit a drop kick, but as he dives through the middle ropes and comes back up, Lashley military presses him and then ends up uh, basically dropping Theory down into the hurt lock, which is the full Nelson and gets him to tap. 
Mysterios versus Judgment Day. I really didn't care about this match at all. I, I really, really didn't. There was only two things that would have made me interested in any part of this match. One of them did happen. The first one would have been Dominic Mysterio turning on his father, um, Rey Mysterio, to set up a feud between them. That did not happen. But Edge does return, which was the other one that I was expecting to happen. And Edge comes out. It's a no-DQ match between uh, Judgment Day and the Mysterio, so it was okay. Edge winds up spearing both uh, Balor and uh, Damian Priest. He then sets up Balor, and the Mysterios hit uh, double 619 on him. Rey Mysterio looked at, like he was trying to do like the Eddie Guerrero um, spring into the ring, like um, Senton almost but he didn't get enough height or something. And he just like barely made it with his head to like hit Balor and gets the win. Next match, we had Pat McAfee getting the win over Baron Corbin. Tons of botches in this match, which did not surprise me because Pat McAfee just seems to be way over eager when it comes to him performing. Um, he, he doesn't wrestle that often. And I mean, it shows that, yes, he puts in the time and the effort to train, but he doesn't, he just wants to go fast and he doesn't want to stop. Um, and this actually brings me to another point when it comes to Corbin. Because Corbin is actually a good wrestler. Don't get me wrong. I, I do like Corbin. Um, You see, Corbin is actually, like I was just saying, he is a good wrestler. But I'm just not a fan of his. And he he brings up the, the fact, this was earlier last week, he winds up making a comment that go away heat is just a made up term. So is kayfabe. So is sports entertainment. Everything that you can wind up saying is a made-up word. Someone made it up at some point. But he expresses how go-away heat doesn't exist because you're still booing him, which means that they're still invoking a reaction at you. That if it was truly go-away heat, they wouldn't cheer you, they wouldn't boo you. They would just walk away. Guess what, Corbin? A lot of people do that. I do that when it comes to your matches, normally. Uh, unless uh, I'm trying to do a report like this, where I'm doing a recap on a pay-per-view, and unfortunately you're on it. And I say unfortunate, not because of you having to be on it, but the fact that I have to report it. I'm not a fan of Baron Corbin. Never have been. Honestly, when he had the longer hair, he was a little bit more interesting. But his characters have never been anything that I liked his personality is nothing that I like and that's okay because that's my opinion of him he has go away heat when it comes to me and I'm sure that there's a lot of other wrestlers out, uh, a lot of other wrestling fans out there that he has go away heat with because they just don't want anything to do with him they turn him off they turn the TV off they fast forward through it so don't say go away heat is a made up term it doesn't exist it does um 
Yeah, Pat McAfee ends up getting the win on this one. Uh, I really didn't care. Then we had a random Drew McIntyre promo to kind of hype up uh, Clash at the Castle, which is coming up in five weeks. Ironically, the day before AEW has all out. The Usos end up retaining the unified tag team championships over the Street Profits with Jeff Jarrett as special guest referee. This was an amazing match. Um, I'm not really going to get into it too much, but I will say Jeff Jarrett remained impartial. Um, this was probably the best match that I've seen between the Usos and the Street Profits. Montez Ford got extremely upset and frustrated because they, he hit that top rope frog splash finisher and Uso kicked out shocking everyone and Montez Ford starts going off on Jeff Jarrett that it should have been a three it should have been a three he needs to count faster um, and it just kind of like the way that Montez Ford is looking after they lost the match because Angela Dawkins took the pin um, the way that Montez Ford's looking it looks like either Street Profits are going to end up turning heel finally or they're going to split. And Montez Ford is going to end up taking, going on the heel route. They had a random Charlotte Flair video package, which leads me to believe that they are bringing Charlotte Flair back soon. Um, this, is, this is my theory on it, is that they're going to bring her back for SmackDown soon to feud with Liv Morgan. Because Liv Morgan isn't cutting it as the SmackDown Women's Champion, in my opinion. <clears throat> They need somebody, and that's who their go-to is. Bring in Charlotte Flair. Uh, Riddle comes out, cuts a promo saying that he wants a piece of Rollins. That you know, even though they're not, their match got called off, he still wants a piece of him. He he's not going to let him get away with it. He's not going to take crap from him. Out comes Rollins. They brawl all the way in the entranceway up to the ring, and Rollins ends up hitting the stomp on Riddle again. Liv Morgan retains the SmackDown Women's Championship over Ronda Rousey, which I was not surprised about, but not without controversy. Um, This match was basically all Ronda Rousey. She dominated and destroyed Liv Morgan. And then we end up getting to a point where it's like, okay, we have have this going on. Ronda now traps uh, Liv's arm into kind of like almost a triangle. Liv rolls Ronda onto her shoulders. Ronda's sh- shoulders were down for a three count. The referee counts the three. But at two, about two and a half, Liv Morgan taps. So Liv Morgan technically should have lost the SmackDown Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey should be champion right now, but she's not. And Ronda wound up saying that she tapped, she tapped. Referee refused to reverse the decision and Rhonda snaps. She starts beating up on Liv Morgan, putting her back into the arm bar, making her tap and says, see, this is what a tap looks like to the referee. And then eventually winds up attacking the referee and putting him in a submission hole too. Finally, you had Roman Reigns successfully defend the undisputed universal championship against Brock Lesnar. 
Brock Lesnar brings a free uh, a front loading tractor to the ring. He drove it to the ring. Stands on the front loader and cuts his his entrance, like the announce the announcing of his part. He then hits a Thez press off of it and starts just destroying Roman Reigns. And he destroys Roman Reigns for a good amount of time. Theory eventually tries to cash in. And Brock Lesnar just destroys Theory. So Theory never got to successfully cash in. Lesnar at another point ends up using the fork uh, the, the front loader to drop Roman Reigns back into the ring. And then a little bit later on uses the front loader to push the ring all the way up so that Roman Reigns falls from one corner of the ring all the way to the outside. Roman Reigns still continues to battle back. Usos get involved and start attacking Lesnar. Lesnar's trying to mount a re- uh, basically a fight against them. Eventually, Roman Reigns, the Usos, Paul Heyman all just keep on beating down Brock Lesnar, putting stacking chairs, table pieces, the announce table, the steel steps, all on top of Lesnar to make sure he could not make the 10 count. This is the final match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. So no more Brock Lesnar matches for the title, at least as Roman Reigns as champion. I'm looking forward to seeing what Raw and SmackDown are going to be like this week. Because I definitely think now with the new changes that are going on, the returns that have been made, and Brock Lesnar being completely written out off of the the universal title picture, we're going to see something new coming. And I'm hoping that this is a good sign of what we're, what's to come. Until next time, I am author Andrew Hess, and this has been The Tap.